This is AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. With SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. Number of liberals on Capitol Hill hoping to add more seats to the Supreme Court. While President Biden is taking a more cautious approach, Greg Clugston reports. Democrats have introduced a bill to add four seats to the Supreme Court, but the legislation is considered a long shot. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki notes that President Biden just created a commission to spend six months studying court issues, including expansion and term limits. So he's going to wait for that to play out uh, and wait to read that report. Republicans see expansion as a potential power grab, and even top Democrats, including House Speaker Pelosi, have expressed reservations. Greg Clugston. The White House. Japan asking Pfizer for additional supplies of the vaccine. So far, 1% of Japan's population has received the vaccine. This is SRN News. These are the official rules for all contests on Salem Media Group and Salem Communications holding corporation stations in the Twin Cities. Collectively, Salem TC from time to time will conduct contests. No purchase necessary to enter or win. If for any reason a prize is not available, a substitute prize may be offered. Winners will be limited to one prize every 30 days. Winners of a major prize will be limited to one every 365 days. A major prize is any prize with a value of more than $1,000. Participants and winners must be U.S. residents that are responsible for any and all taxes. For full contest rules, see this station's website. Thanks for tuning in to AM 1280 The Patriot. Weather for today, we got sunny and a high of 65, moving in the showers likely and a low of 33 for tonight. Tomorrow, partly sunny and a high of 43, moving in the partly cloudy and a low of 29. Our April Book of the Month is The Enemy Within, How a Totalitarian Movement is Destroying America by David Horowitz. A president twice impeached, mob violence, social media silencing options, Horowitz says America is on the brink of becoming a one-party dictatorship. You can win an autographed copy of the book by signing up now at the Freedom Fan Club page at am1280thepatriot.com. Views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Stand by for the Northern Alliance Radio Network. And go launch sequence. Engineering. Go flight. Master control. Go flight. Studio engineer. Go flight. We are go for launch in T minus three, two, one. We have liftoff. The Northern Alliance Radio Network is on the air. Live and local from the AM 1280 The Patriot Studios in Egan, here is the closer, Brad Carlson. AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back of hour number two of the broadcast we like to call the closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org, and we are here to take your phone calls at 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Just use hashtag DarnShow, hashtag N-A-R-N Show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow along on Facebook, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, give us a follow and a like. If you'd be so kind, we appreciate it. And I am live streaming the broadcast as we speak right now at our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. And uh, it's got a chat room there so we can interact with the listeners. If you don't want to call in or use Twitter, you can uh, comment on the live stream here on, uh, on Facebook. And we appreciate your support by any ways you're listening to the broadcast. It's a beautiful day today, beautiful Sunday. So if you're listening to this via podcast, 
I certainly understand. You want to get out and enjoy the beautiful spring day. So uh, we'll hope to catch it live one of these days. But we're getting into nicer weather. So a lot of you are all going to be listening to the podcast later on. And that's okay, too. We, we appreciate the support any way we can get it. A lot of local news uh, going on this week. As I mentioned in the first hour, I didn't really think there was anything that could possibly knock off the front page, the Derek Chauvin trial. But obviously the shooting of 20-year-old Dante Wright did that. Um, We are going to transition to the Chauvin trial, at least kind of talk about what happened at the end of last week. Uh, The defense took just a few days, not the uh, pretty much all of last week or most of last week to call their direct witnesses. And the defense rested its case last week without uh, Officer Chauvin taking the stand. Not 100% surprising at all. Um, But as I was talking about with my uh, friend Ben Cruzy, I appeared on uh, Ben Cruzy's podcast, the Up and Adam podcast, uh, last Friday. Uh, People don't seem to understand that playing the Fifth Amendment when you're on trial for murder is hardly unprecedented, and it's more common than you might think. Okay, so these uh, so these people who are getting their law degrees from social media, um, your your take on well, if he has nothing to hide, why wouldn't he take the stand? Um, yeah, those are uh, those are some pretty awful takes, awful legal takes. Again, I'm no legal beagle either, but I know enough to know that uh, if you're in a high-profile trial like this, you get advice from counsel not uh, to take the stand. Anyways, I digress. This is from the Star Tribune uh, last week. This this story would have come out on uh, Friday. Uh, Testimony in the murder trial of former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin ended Thursday with Chauvin invoking his constitutional right not to testify and a prosecution expert briefly taking the witness stand. Jurors are likely to begin deliberating Monday, which is tomorrow. Oof. We get a verdict. We, we could have a verdict um, by this time next week. That's very possible. Wow. Uh, anyways, uh, closing arguments are scheduled for Monday, moving the trial into its seventh week. Jurors will be immediately sequestered for deliberations as they consider the charges facing Chauvin in the May 25 death of George Floyd. Uh, Second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. I will invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege today, Chauvin told the court Thursday morning. The Fifth Amendment protects against self-incrimination. Chauvin's brief remarks in response to questions from his attorney, Eric Nelson, and Hennepin County District Judge Peter Cahill were the most he's spoken publicly since kneeling on Floyd's neck for about nine and a half minutes last year when arresting him for using a fake $20 bill to buy cigarettes. Chauvin took off a blue surgical face mask mandated by the courts for COVID-19 protection and spoke into a microphone in his hand. Jurors were not present for the discussion. Uh, Nelson reminded Chauvin that, quote, the state would have broad latitude, close quote, to cross-examine him as a witness if he testified. Nelson and Chauvin told the court they had repeatedly discussed whether to testify. Uh, We have gone back and forth on the matter would be kind of an understatement, right? Nelson asked uh, Chauvin. Yes, it is, Chauvin, with a small hint of a smile. Oh, I I can only imagine how social media blew up with Chauvin kind of giving a half smirk in response to that. How dare he 
show that kind of emotion. Doesn't he know that he's on trial for murder? Uh, anyways, uh, Nelson asked Chauvin if they had a lengthy meeting Wednesday night about testifying that led to further discussion. Correct, Chauvin said, adding that he would not testify. Uh, I, you know, as I've said on this broadcast, I've basically been talking about this trial every week for the past few weeks. And what I've said is that legal analysts continue to say when looking at this that the witnesses, star witnesses for the defense, have provided plenty of reasonable doubt to the jury when it comes to the most severe charge, which, of course, is second-degree murder. And by all accounts, that would mean the worst Chauvin would get charged for, for or found guilty for his third-degree murder, but more likely uh, second-degree manslaughter. And I can tell you, if he gets the lowest charge, secondary manslaughter, uh, that's not going to be well-received. Let's put it that way. So my, I, I'm not going to make any predictions on this. I'll just say that I won't be shocked if he is found guilty on all three charges. And I say that because... The members of the jury living in this day and age, I know they've been uh, sequestered and I know that they've not been able to follow news or anything like that. But living in this day and age of people leaking your information online or finding out where you live or finding out who is on the jury first and foremost and then finding out where you live and, you know, uh, people enacting some sort of... uh, you know, at at best doxing and at worst vigilante justice. I, I imagine these jurors are terrified with with the burden they have to hand down this decision that is going to literally make uh, countrywide news and I dare say worldwide news. People are probably following this outside of the uh, of the continental United States. I I'm certain of that. Well, heck, my wife and I, uh, we went on vacation to Mexico uh, last month, and our driver that was taking us back to the airport once our vacation was over, he was asking us questions about it when we told him we were from Minnesota. So literally all all outside the United States, people are following this case. I get it. Mexico is just our neighbors to the south, but still, it is getting a lot of, uh, a lot of high-profile coverage, no doubt about it. So... I say that I won't be surprised if Chauvin is found guilty on all three charges because, again, uh, these jurors, they're only human. And some of them have to have in the back of their mind, you know, if we don't hand down the most severe charges, um, you know, this could literally put our lives in peril. And there could be others who are indignant about it, who say, well, you know what? We need to make an example of this guy. There have been far too many uh, black men killed at the hands of police and haven't gotten justice in the eyes of many. So we're going to make an example of this guy. And let's be honest, there wouldn't be a lot of sympathy toward Derek Chauvin if indeed uh, he was found guilty of all three charges. So that would that might factor into their thinking, too. I have no idea. These are just all possibilities. Obviously, I have no inside information. Certainly not clairvoyant. But... This is kind of uh, what I'm thinking of what might be going through their minds. Because, again, they're only human. Uh, So, like I say, closing statements will be made tomorrow. Jury will sequester. And it'll be interesting 
if, you know, it, it would be, a, I would think if they're sequestered by tomorrow afternoon and they come back with a verdict, say, late tomorrow evening, uh, speculation is going to run rampant as to what they decided. Well, it was pretty clear cut that, uh, you know, what Chauvin did to the guys. So, of course, if they come back that quickly, he's going to get the most severe charge and be brought up on all charges. So, But if it goes longer than a day or two, then speculation is going to run rampant. It's like they don't want to charge him with the most severe charge, but they know if they don't, the community will burn down. So they're wrestling with all of that, and some jurors are wanting to go all the way, and some are saying, well, there's plenty of reasonable doubt on the murder charge. We think you should get the manslaughter verdict, the manslaughter charge. Who's to say? But uh, speaking, you know, uh, Peter alluded to uh, uh, Maxine Waters being in town. In fact, I guess she was in uh, Brooklyn Center yesterday at uh, one of the protests. And, uh, Jacob, I believe that's cut number two. Uh, This is about a minute and a half long, and then we'll go to break after we play this. I may have some comments on this. But uh, Maxine Waters, she's a representative in the uh, Los Angeles area, a congressional representative coming here to town Uh, Talking about this case in Brooklyn Center, the shooting that we spent a lot of the first hour talking about of 20-year-old Dante Wright, and then kind of weaves it into the discussion of the uh, Chauvin trial. So, Jacob, if we have that sound clip ready, here we go. Reform, reform. And so, yes, I would like to see the bill in Congress pass on police reform, but I know that the right wing, the racists are opposed to it, and I don't know what's going to happen to it, but I know this, we've got to stay in the street, and we've got to, we've got to demand justice. As a black man, despite all of the efforts, I feel like nothing changes, and George Floyd is waking so many people up. Yet nothing has happened, just you know, despite the rhetoric. Like what, what needs to happen that's different this year than all the years before? We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict, there it is. and we're looking to see if all of the fault that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that to say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we got, we cannot go away. And not just manslaughter. Right? Wow, okay, I mean, stop right there. There you go. That is. How is that not incitement? How is not that incitement? She's saying guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't get that, we got to stay in the streets. We got to continue to, to to get back out there. How is that not incitement? I mean, the sitting president of the United States, when he didn't condemn the riots that took place at the U.S. Capitol, he was banned from Twitter. James O'Keefe, because he exposed CNN for being the uh, biased frauds that they are, kicked off Twitter. Sitting congresswoman, flat-out incitement. How, how, how is that allowed to stand? And, by the way, She's talking about the police reform, uh, police reform bill that was named for George Floyd going through Congress and talking about right-wing racists opposing the police reform bill. Um, Tim Scott, congressman, or not congressman, senator, senator of South Carolina, put forth a police reform bill in the Senate, and it was filibustered by the Democrats. Remember the filibuster, that old racist relic of our country's history? Yeah, the Democrats enacted the filibuster 
on a police reform bill put forth by a black senator. But yet the right wing is a bunch of racists because they don't want to entertain any kind of police reform. Well, how come Tim Scott's bill didn't get serious consideration? What was wrong with it? Other than he's a Republican. So, honest to God, this is, uh, and again, this is, they're already ramping up. And when you hear rhetoric like this, and again, I know the juries aren't allowed to uh, be engaged in any of this news. I'm sure they're not allowed to be engaged in social media. But this is the kind of air, this attitude that I'm sure they're well aware of exists. And it's going to make them very hesitant to do what they believe is right. You know, suppose they believe, well, we don't believe the charges rise to the level of third-degree murder, second-degree murder. We're just going with manslaughter. Okay? And it's the city of Minneapolis that's going to pay because it's going to be basically be torn down because Keith Ellison, attorney general of Minnesota, bowed to political pressure and decided, nope, uh, third-degree murder, second-degree murder, not enough. Got to go with second-degree murder. Then we can get the other three for as being co-conspirators. And yet Keith Ellison will get no blame for that, for for the overcharge. Because many people felt from day one that that was an overreach. So, um, again, this isn't going to be tied up in a nice little tidy package, that's for sure. Uh, Bob and Shoreview is on line one. Bob, if there is any way you can hold during the break, I promise I will take your call when we come back. And uh, other phone calls if you'd like to weigh in as well. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. Brad Carlson, The Closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. Would you like to get involved to help save the lives of innocent unborn babies? Join Pro-Life Across America's free national virtual celebration Thursday, May 6th. Learn how Pro-Life Across America's life-saving ads have made a difference. Their goal is to raise $100,000 to launch their annual summer billboard campaign. You can partner with them to help save babies' lives. Pro-Life Across America's free national virtual celebration Thursday, May 6th. Sign up for the event at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Are you longing to create lasting memories with those you love? Make plans today to spend the summer at Evergreen Bay Resort near beautiful Itasca State Park. Evergreen Bay Resort is close, just a three and a half hour drive from the metro. There's a lot for you to enjoy, over 66 acres. Evergreen Bay Resort sits on the crystal clear waters of Boot Lake with a huge sandy swimming beach. Choose from one of their 13 modern and spacious cabins, each with their own boat slip. You'll hike, play water sports, fish, and savor star-filled nights by the campfire. Stay for a week or a weekend, but act fast to enjoy this beautiful Minnesota family resort, Evergreen Bay Resort. Check out their availability at evergreenbayresort.com. Time together with those you love is a gift they will treasure forever. Start creating those lifelong memories at evergreenbayresort.com. Don't forget the word bay. That's evergreenbayresort.com. Family fun awaits you at evergreenbayresort.com. With the extreme weather changes in Minnesota, it can be very unpleasant when the windows in your house begin to fail. But what's even more unpleasant is the three long-winded, high-pressure sales calls you need to sit through to get multiple bids. They tell you their window is the best and all the rest are no good, and hey, I'll throw in a free window if we can write this up tonight. 
I'm Ryan from My Three Quotes. What if I told you you could get competitive bids from three high-rated local contractors on any window brand after only one short meeting with me? The process is simple. I'll stop by to measure the windows and we'll talk options. Whether it's vinyl, wood, composite, or fiberglass, we'll come up with a job scope that fits your house and your style. And you'll receive the quotes within a week. If you've already had some window bids and were floored by the price, call me. As you'll see from my reviews, my quotes can come in thousands less than others for the exact same window. If you decide to move forward, I'll come back to write up the order and do a walkthrough when it's done. And yes, the service is free. So hop online and visit My 3 Quotes to set up an appointment. That's the number three, My 3 Quotes. In an era of fake news and misleading headlines, turn to a leader in accurate reporting, townhall.com. Get caught up with today's top stories, find brilliant commentary from our columnists, and have a laugh with our political cartoons at townhall.com. Welcome back. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network, with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show for any comments or questions. Always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, is Bob still on line one, Jacob? Okay, if Bob is still with us, uh, we will take his call on line one. Bob from Shoreview. Bob, always good to hear from you. Welcome to the broadcast. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Um, I had uh, I wanted to say something about your first hour guest uh, who was talking about the crime in Brooklyn Center. Sure, I can attest to that. I worked there from uh, 1988 until 2019. I worked at the Metro Transit bus garage on Shingle Creek Parkway, which is only a mile away from oh, yeah. Brooklyn Center Police yep. Station, and I used to stop at the Brookdale Mall when it was there. Uh, it was my layover spot, so I would have a break, and I'd go in and talk with some of the store owners, and I asked them, why is this place becoming so deserted? More and more stores are leaving, and it finally shut down, and uh, it was because there was so much crime that store, store owners would tell me that people would be in there screaming and fighting and threatening to kill each other and to chase the shoppers away. I have witnessed so much crime in that neighborhood Mm. And, you know, I hate to talk about it because there's good people that live there and they suffer from this. And there's stores there that need customers, but it needs to be the a light needs to be shined on it so that something will be done about it. There needs to be pressure put on the government, so-called leaders, so they will do something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think uh, if you if you had an opportunity to listen to my guest in the first hour, Peter Johnson, one of the things he talked about is, you know, they, the, the cops don't make good money there. Uh, the city council doesn't allocate nearly enough money for uh, police training and for the police budget. And so, therefore, you're not drawing in the best officers. And even if you are drawing in quality candidates, they, you know, there's training needs to evolve, and that's not happening. And then it comes around to, well, the police need more training or we need to defund police. It almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you don't fund this or you ignore it long enough, it's going to be inept. And then it can play right into the hands of what your ultimate goal is, is to get rid of policing altogether. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a travesty that we're seeing unfold. You know that Brookdale Mall got shut down and yeah. it just got wiped out of existence. Yeah. I, we used to go there all the time. I, my wife and I, we used to live in Brooklyn Park when we were first married. This was 20 years ago, I guess. But uh, we 
would go to that Barnes and Noble in Brookdale all the time. Would love just hanging out there, just uh, relaxing with a you know good book. They had a little cafe in there. Yeah, we loved it, loved it, and it's gone. Yeah, I was driving out of there once, and a car was coming directly at me, and a police car was chasing him. And I didn't know what to do, go right or left, so I just stayed where I was, and the car went around me and crashed because oh. the police were chasing a car. I mean, it. I saw people shot and killed at the exit ramp on Jingle scary. Creek. Yeah. So much crime. Oh. Yeah, scary. Thanks for, the, thanks for the call, Bob. We appreciate it. And, yeah, it's, um, you know, like I say, we, we lived in uh, Brooklyn Park, you know, 2000 to 2001. Um, and, you know, even Brooklyn Park was starting to see a lot of that uh, uh, element creep in where to the point we just live, we live just south of 85th Avenue, whereas, you know, everything north was just fine. But then just south of 85th, it was starting to get a little uh, questionable. There were, you know, incidents right in our neighborhood. And, you know, we ended up um, ended up moving out before, you know, it um it really got uh, it really got bad, uh, but yeah, I, I you know I, I guess I don't know the answer. I mean, if they're not wanting to responsibly these some of these cities, and again, I'm not as familiar with Brooklyn Park as I am now with Brooklyn Center because you know Peter has worked with folks there and he's kind of filled me in on the dynamic there. But it, it just is pretty obvious that the mayor and the city council there are way in over their heads and don't really have a grasp of how to address. Uh, a problem with crime, which has sadly just gotten worse. Uh, Vincent uh, asked a question off here. Uh, did uh, Derek Chauvin have to go under oath even when not testifying? I, I don't think so. Um, uh, may, I, I don't know if he had to go uh, go under oath when he was answering questions from his attorney. I don't know if that's part of the process. I would imagine maybe. But, uh, yeah, I apologize, Vincent. I'm not familiar with that uh, particular dynamic. But I guess any statements that he makes uh, have to be truthful. So when his lawyer is asking him, hey, did we have a lot of conversations about you possibly testifying? Well, he certainly can't lie about it. So I imagine there may have been some oath taken before that. Who's to say? So I apologize, Vincent. I'm not 100% sure on that. But uh, the bottom line is, yeah, he's he's not going to um, he's not going to testify. And, you know, this um, I, I'm going to really be curious to see what happens uh how the if indeed chauvin is brought up on all charges and is given the maximum which again he may very well be you can argue whether the testimony was compelling enough or not or whether whether there was reasonable doubt or not uh to justify him getting the maximum charges being found guilty in all the charges uh but again you're leaving it in the hands of jurors who you know, aren't as well-versed in the legalese. I get it. They sat there. They've listened to testimony. They've been given explicit explicit instructions by the judge and how to rule and how to interpret the testimony that they've heard and have been given. But, you know, we've, we've, we've heard of rogue juries before. And, again, I bring up the OJ trial constantly where there have been some jurors, you know, 20-plus years after the fact who admitted, yeah, we, we thought he was guilty. We, In fact, we pretty much knew he killed his wife. All right, but we just were fresh off seeing a couple years earlier Rodney King being beat within an inch of his life, and the white officers that perpetrated that crime got no jail time whatsoever, despite, you know, Rodney King being unarmed and lying on the ground. 
and we said, nah, we're 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 going to met out our own form of justice." So, uh, you know, that's that's kind of kind of way it goes, and it's unfortunate, but it's not unprecedented, and that that's what happens, you know, with our justice system when you put it in the hands of jurors, you, you just don't know what you're going to get. And along those lines, you think about OJ. You remember when he was uh, arrested, I think it was like 2008, 2009, for armed robbery, um, trying to get some of his memorabilia back, and he and his buddies found out where these people were staying in this hotel, and they went in to try to get his stuff back. Uh, he was given like 33-plus years in that, you know, basically as an accessory to armed robbery. You don't think that was some sort of karmic justice either? I mean, I'm sure that jury probably suspected, you know, there's no way anybody in this world didn't know who O.J. Simpson was. So I guarantee that jury that over that uh, oversaw his uh, armed robbery trial, uh, they definitely meted out some karmic justice there, 33-plus years. Now, O.J. ended up serving, I think, eight or nine, so he's free now. And I think you can follow him on Twitter, too. Uh, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he, he kind of says some bizarre things, to say the least. Uh, but he, at the beginning of the Chauvin trial, O.J. did have a few things uh, to say uh, about the Chauvin trial, interestingly enough. So if you want to um, let's see if I can find it, actually. You might, it's, a, um, it's an interesting follow. I'll, I'll, just say, I'll just say that much. If you uh, do a search for O.J. Simpson... Um, yeah, the real he's at the real OJ three two at the real OJ thirty two. If you want to follow him on Twitter, so it's um, um, it's interesting. I'll just leave it at that. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show. Brad Carlson, the closer, coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. I appeal to you to fight. I fully recognize not everyone has a fighting nature, but everyone can help fighters. What's wrong is not to do either. If the troops have no supplies, the troops are worthless. This station is a fighter. So there's a very simple way for you to help this station, and that is just patronize their sponsors. Help us continue to keep the Twin Cities right by supporting the local businesses you hear on this station. 
There are ideas and ideologies afoot in our culture today, lurking beneath the surface. Fault Lines is a book that will help you discern these worldviews and ideas, help you understand what they are and where they come from. Critical race theory, social justice, intersectionality. We've all heard these terms, but most of us have no idea what they mean. Fault Lines will not only help you understand the meaning of these words, but it will also help you understand the ideologies behind them. Fault Lines is a book for our day, for our time, for this moment, because I'm not talking about something that's coming. I'm talking about something that's here, something that has to be confronted now. This is Vody Bauckham, and I want to encourage you to buy my new book, Fault Lines, available everywhere books are sold, April 6th. How do you define strength? Is it physical? Or is it mental? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's whatever empowers a person to dig deeper, fight harder, and overcome obstacles that once seemed insurmountable. Discover how much stronger and more confident your children can be. Encourage them to participate in a sport when they go to high school. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. This is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, switching gears a little bit now, we do have another guest uh, who's joining us via phone. Uh, Phil Kirpin is the president of an organization entitled American Commitment. Uh, by the way, check out their website, AmericanCommitment.org. Uh, they're an organization dedicated to restoring and protecting the American commitment to free markets, economic growth, constitutionally limited government, property rights, and individual freedom. Uh, we are bringing Phil on uh, to talk about uh, the COVID lockdowns. We're uh, 13 months into a global pandemic. And, of course, we've seen uh, the destructive impacts that have taken place with uh, uh, governors of specific states opting to lock down businesses, people in their homes, and uh, what the long-term ramifications could be of that uh, as well. Uh, Phil Kirpin, first of all, welcome to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, sir. Good to have you on today. Hey, great to be with you. So we talked a little bit, uh, kind of the intro here, talking about the COVID lockdowns. It's a lot of controversy talking about those. Initially, we understood this uh, strain of the coronavirus. Uh, no one was immune from it. Very contagious. The best option is to social distance as much as possible, work from home if you can, uh, businesses operating at less capacity. A lot of people, I think, accepted the you know the whole two weeks to flatten the curve so you don't overwhelm the health system. But it seemed to get to the point, particularly here in Minnesota, where the governor has had his emergency powers extended literally each and every month, that businesses continue to be shuttered. Uh, a mental health crisis was only exacerbated from that. Uh, I guess talk specifically about what you've seen, the real-world evidence, just in the past 13 months— uh, what have had that has resulted from these lockdowns, Phil Kirpin? 
Well, we're uh, we're only one year into our 15 years to stop the spread, so uh, yeah. it's going perfectly well. Right. Uh, we're right on track. Uh, you know, to me, the remarkable thing is that these restrictions and limitations persist, even though we now have overwhelming evidence that uh, not only do, do they cause enormous damage um, economically, educationally, socially, and so forth, but but they have no benefit in terms of reducing virus harms. In fact. Uh, we're now seven months into Florida being completely wide open. They're, they're lower on every virus medic during that time period than California, which has been in continuous lockdown of varying mm-hmm. severity. And, you know, I, I just don't see how anyone who looks at the actual numbers can conclude that any of this stuff actually reduces the impact of the virus. And, you know, you look at pairs of counties with wildly different policies next to each other. They have basically the same disease curve. You look at pairs of states next to each other with wildly different policies. They have basically the same disease curve. And then the obvious question is, if this stuff is ineffective at stopping the virus, if you stole the virus harms anyway, why are we doing this to ourselves? Why are we layering all kinds of economic and educational and social hardship on top of uh, the virus harms when you end up getting the virus harms anyway. And I just think it's insane that any of this stuff still persists at this point. Yeah, I guess the the question is, you know, how does this happen? I mean, we talk about the states like, you know, California. Uh, you know, Michigan is certainly going through a terrible time right now. Some of the states that have had some of the more draconian lockdowns, New York State certainly, uh, that have had that have been some of the major hotspots at time. And, you know, the idea is, well, if we socially distance, stay away from each other, then it'll, you know, it'll stop the overwhelming of the health system. Yet these states continue to have these outbreaks. From a scientific standpoint, Phil Kirpin, has it ever been explained how that possibly happened? Because you alluded to Florida has been pretty much wide open for seven months. And and, and the uh, outbreaks, the death tolls, the bodies pile up like cords of wood just hasn't happened. I mean, has there been a scientific explanation for this? Well, I think the the best explanation is that, uh, you know, we still don't really understand what causes these virus waves to rise and fall, but the we know what works, uh, you know, sort of litany of mask and distance and, and closed schools and closed businesses uh, does not work. Right. It makes no difference at all, in fact. And so, you know, we've got this situation where these waves come and go, and each time the wave rises, we get told the same sort of, conventional wisdom that has not worked anywhere and we're told to do it again and uh, we have a remarkable lack of curiosity among our so-called experts in figuring out what what really is uh, driving these waves whether it's uh, temperature or humidity or or latitude and solar radiation I mean there are a lot of theories proximity to water may be a factor with humidity Uh, yeah there are a lot of theories Um, none of them really particularly explain what we're seeing uh, but the the point that I've been making is, you know, we don't we don't really understand what's causing these viral waves to rise and fall very well. But we do know that the so-called containment measures don't contain it. So mm-hmm. let's stop doing what's not working. Keep trying to figure out if something else might. But but let's stop doing what's not working because it's not free. It's very costly economically and socially, and it's you know made things much worse I think than they otherwise would be. And, you know, you mentioned the the wave in Michigan because it's interesting. You know, Michigan is a state that's been, you know, relatively strict in its containment measures, but uh, they've not locked things back down fully this spring the way they did last spring as much as the governor might want to. I think she sees the politics that would be disastrous. Uh, 
and sort of you know right across the right across the bridge in in Ontario they are in an ultra ultra hard police force lockdown right now. Right. And Michigan has peaked and Ontario is still rising. So you know what <laughs> what do you make what are we supposed to make of that other than that you know what we keep getting told over and over that we know we we, we really don't it, it doesn't fit what we're observing. And and it certainly doesn't help that it seems to be uh, there seems to be a complicit media in all of this, and I say that from the standpoint that it seems overwhelmingly media members, particularly CNN and MSNBC, talking about how if uh, you, you want to, oh, I don't know, go back to work at your actual office or uh, you watch your kid walk across the stage during a high school graduation, that it's tantamount to you know putting your elderly people in in jeopardy, you know, wanting to to, to kill grandma. I mean, probably one of the most egregious examples is you know we look at Georgia. Uh, I think. A month and a half into the pandemic, Governor Kemp ascertained down there, look, he, and he was using actual science. Look, our retransmission rate is less than one. We feel we can open up, but we need to still be judicious, social distance as much as possible, wear masks as much as possible, but we can open up the economy. And that was a year ago, and you had one publication particularly, I don't remember which one, saying that Governor Kemp was uh, – practicing uh human sacrifice uh, as a result yeah that, so, uh, that was the esteemed atlantic magazine okay thank you thank you yeah and so my point in bringing that up is where where are the media fact checkers in this i mean shouldn't they be the ones asking these questions hey the more draconian they lockdowns feel their, they ahead. feel their own credibility is on the line now so there is right. there is the most vigorous defenders of the false conventional wisdom uh, of anyone out there. And in fact, I think the media is really responsible for driving a lot of the bad decision-making we've seen over the last year because they created the incentives for politicians and public health officials to impose the most draconian restrictions possible. And what I mean by that is, look, we had more or less the same thing happen everywhere. The thing comes, it's your turn, you get this sharp rise, it peaks and it falls uh, basically symmetrically with the rise. And that happens whether you do lockdowns or not, whether you do masks or not, whether you close schools or not. It's sort of rise and falls about the same. But if you refuse to lock down, if you refuse to close things, then you get blamed for every single death on the way up, and they attack you every single day. And we saw this, of course, with governors like Ron DeSantis and Christy Noem. And then you reach your peak, and the media disappears. They don't cover right. it going back down, and the rest of the country doesn't even know it ever went back down because they just disappear. You know, if you do, if you lock down, if you're like a, a Phil Murphy or a, or a, an Andrew Cuomo, or in, in your case, a Tim Walls, well, on the way up. You're doing everything you can. You're trying so hard. You hate the virus. That's why you're imposing these things. And then you reach the peak and it declines. And every day they give you credit for the decline every step of the way down. And so even though you have the same disease curve, um, if you don't lock down, if you resist that, the deaths are on you and you get no coverage on the way down. If you implement all of those restrictions, well, then you're, you're trying your best on the way up and then you get all the credit on the way down. So there's no wonder that so many of them have played along because uh, they get rewarded for it. I, I think we've also seen to have seen a death in sort of the, the expert class. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've had uh, people who have been ubiquitous, several media appearances. I mean, initially you had uh, Dr. Michael Osterholm, uh, infectious disease specialist, and, and of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, all of whom insights were very valuable from the beginning because this was a great unknown this was uncharted territory and you know we we wanted to hear from them and what they had to say but then as months went on you had these apocalyptic 
uh, projections like Dr. Osterholm. I remember specifically last November basically saying we need to just completely lock down for four to six weeks, just pay everybody to not work, nobody go outside at all because we're going to be in COVID hell. And, yeah, we had a we had some uh, escalations of the virus, but it certainly wasn't to the degree where, again, bodies were piling up like cords of wood. So it seems to me, Phil Kirpin, there's also been kind of a, a credibility gap with folks like Osterholm and Fauci who – should be giving us the best possible insights, but seem to be trying to play both sides of this as well. Well, they're, they're really, I think their number one concern is that there's going to be a big uh, rise that they didn't predict. And so they predict a rise constantly just in case one happens. Like <laughs> they uh, won't be caught off guard with that. Right. And, you know, the, um, you know, we've had the, one of the most bizarre features of this pandemic for the past year is that we had uh, a pandemic with historically low utilization of our healthcare system. And in fact, most hospital systems had layoffs that they've still not completely reversed. And mm, wow. uh, most hospital systems had substantial declines in revenue for the year. And, you know, ER volumes, volumes are down a lot. Inpatient volumes are down a lot uh, still. Uh, and so, you know, I think that the, you know, it, it's interesting because a lot of the models and the predictions early on were actually fairly accurate on deaths unfortunately, mm-hmm. but they were extremely inaccurate on hospitalizations. Uh, the hospitalizations have been far, far below every model, you know, by, by, you know, orders of magnitude. And so the health system, with the exception of, you know, places at their very peak, uh, you know, for a week or two, maybe at the very peak of one of these infectious waves, um, the hospitals have really not been stressed. Is Phil still with us? Phil, you still with us? Is Phil still with us? I'm. I apologize for that. Yeah, I don't. I don't hear anything. We apologize for that. Well, folks, we have to come out. We're we're against a break, anyways. Uh, Phil Kirpin, I don't know if you can hear me, but we appreciate your time, sir. We we must have got cut off. I don't know what the heck happened, but uh, we'll go ahead and uh, take a break and uh, wrap up this particular segment. Six five one two eight nine four four eight eight is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N A R N Show. Brad Carlson, the closer, with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Cool voiceover, zany sound effect. Uh, we were gonna write a flashy promo about streaming us at radio.com, but considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple too. Listen to the Patriot on the free radio.com app. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash HR. This is a limited offer, only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash HR. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Hey, it's Lee Michaels here for the Minnesota Horse and Hunt Club in Prior Lake. 
The Horse and Hunt Club is one of the premier sporting facilities in the world, and it's open to the public. This place is simply awesome. There are five different sporting clay courses that provide 30 different shooting scenarios. Memberships are available as well. You can hunt pheasants, turkey, partridge, ducks, and more. And don't forget to stop by Triggers for lunch or dinner. Maybe try some of their delicious bacon-wrapped pheasant bites. For pricing and details, visit horseandhunt.com. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella, and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. You listen every day. I never miss it. So now it's time for you to join the conversation. Who, me? Like AM 1280 The Patriot on Facebook and share your thoughts with like-minded conservatives. You can also enter to win prizes, learn about upcoming events, and more. Welcome back, AM 1280 The Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with a, one final segment on the broadcast. It's me, Brad Carlson. Hey, I apologize again for that, folks. We got cut off with Phil Kirpin. Uh, I just He just tweeted at me. He said uh, he was talking for a while. And when he said uh, he heard us say, hey, Phil, we can't hear you, but he could hear us. So uh, very, very sorry about that. But we we're about to wrap up our discussion anyways. Uh, but a, and a fascinating discussion it was with uh, Phil Kirpin talking about the destructive effects of lockdowns. Uh, wish we could have uh, completed it because I wanted to ask him about his New York Mets. He's a big Mets fan, and I wanted to ask him about uh, you know the Mets and particularly uh, you know the uh, with the death of Bernie Madoff, uh, the Mets owners got caught up in the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme scandal, and it led indirectly to Bobby Bonilla Day, where for uh, 25 years, Bobby Bonilla gets a $1.9 million check on July 1st. And I wanted to ask <laughs> Phil about that uh, for, you know, because again, he's a big Mets fan, kind of get his insights in the aftermath of um, Bernie Madoff's death. So uh, we apologized to, to Phil, kind of an awkward ending there. I know we were almost at the end of the segment, but it would have been nice to end it in a dignified manner. Oh, well, <clears throat> we will move on. Uh, our um, corrupt media was uh, certainly had proverbial egg on its face uh, again this past week. I don't engage in schadenfreude, but they kind of do it to themselves. And I'm referring specifically to the Blockbuster story. You probably heard about this last summer when there was a story that came out initially from the New York Times where it said that Russian officials were paying bounties to the Taliban in exchange for the killing of American troops in Afghanistan. And this was an intelligence briefing. Uh, President Trump came out and dismissed it as a hoax. It's not true, whatever. But, of course, it didn't stop the media narratives from saying, well, we all know Trump is Putin's puppet. He won't stand up to Putin. Um, 
And so how, what did he know? When did he know it? All that sort of stuff. Uh, we got a media supercut uh, from different media outlets last summer talking about the story. Uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, Nightly News, they all covered it. Uh, some of the people you'll hear on this is CNN's Jake Tapper, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, CNN's Wolf Blitzer, CNN's Brian Stelter, MSNBC's Lawrence O'Donnell, uh, Good Morning America had a piece on this, CNN's Chris Cuomo, and Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, Joy Reid, all with MSNBC. And, then of course, the coup d'etat, uh, vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris wrapping up her debate with Vice President Mike Pence last fall invoking this uh, supposed incident. Uh, Media supercuts, a couple minutes long. Jacob, if we have that ready, uh, here we go. In our world lead today, President Trump dismissing the Russian bounty intelligence story as a hoax meant to damage him and Republicans. The president often touts his relationship with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. The White House also responding tonight to a bombshell report accusing Russia of offering bounties to the Taliban to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan. And now you know from this reporting in the New York Times, which has since been confirmed by the Wall Street Journal, that not only does the president know that Russia was paying for American soldiers' deaths. News, get this, the Washington Post is now reporting that the alleged Russian bounties to Taliban fighters in Afghanistan are believed to have resulted in the deaths of U.S. troops. Like this New York Times story about a stunning U.S. intel assessment, finding that Russia secretly ordered, uh, offered Afghan militants bounties to kill U.S. troops. So comes under fire over those bombshell reports that the White House was told Russia was paying bounties to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The most important application of that question is what did the president know about Vladimir Putin offering a bounty for the killing of American soldiers in Afghanistan? And when did he know it? A senior Afghan official confirmed to CBS News that the reports were not only true, but the Russian government achieved some success with their plans. Very Kaley, I cannot tell a lie, McEnany insists the president does in fact read everything he needs to read. We need to look at the real threat to U.S. troops and the risk that Russia was putting a bounty on their heads. That Americans found out this weekend that Vladimir Putin is paying to put bounties on the heads of American troops. Telling CNN that the White House was warned about Russia offering bounties, actual bounties to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. He's not even there yet. He's still suggesting that the reporting about the fact that there were these bounties offered is fake. Meanwhile, your organization, The New York Times and others, are getting some fairly detailed uh, reporting about how it actually works. Despite those denials over and over, Sources tell CNN that last week the U.S. even shared that intelligence with British officials as some of the British troops would have been targeted as well. Yeah, that to, to say nothing of, t- of putting bounties on, on American troops. Um, it's unbelievable, Joy. Yeah. Public reporting that Russia had bounties on the heads Here's Kamala. of American soldiers. And you know what a bounty is? It's somebody puts a price on your head and they will pay it if you are killed. Okay, there you have it. Why, why did I play all that? Because, yep, you guessed it, it was bullpucky. This is from the Daily Beast. 
Uh, it was a blockbuster story about Russians' return to the Imperial Great Game in Afghanistan. The Kremlin had spread money around the longtime Central Asian battlefield for militants to kill remaining U.S. forces. It sparked a massive outcry from Democrats and their hashtag resistance amplifiers about the treasonous Russian puppet in the White House whose admiration for Vladimir Putin had endangered American troops. But on Thursday, the Biden administration announced that the U.S. intelligence only had low to moderate confidence in the story after all translated from the jargon of spy world that means the intelligence agencies have found the story is at best unproven and possibly untrue i wish i could say i was surprised but this is all narrative journalism jim garrity came up with a brilliant phrase about five six years ago called narrative journalism which is a preconceived storyline that fits a particular agenda or political or ideological view, almost always progressive. See, they start with a, you know, they have their progressive worldview and anything that could embarrass Trump, if they hear about it, they don't work overtime to to verify it factually. But here's the thing. To be fair to a lot of these media people, it was a New York Times story. It was apparently corroborated or confirmed or whatever backed up by the wall street journal and washington post and yet it was still bullcrap how does this happen how does this happen it's almost as if all of these outlets are engaging in some sort of narrative journalism and again uh i bristled at the term uh, the phrase enemy of the people but i can't i can't defend uh i can't defend the media anymore on this that was disgraceful disgraceful Folks, I'm, I've enjoyed it. AM 1280, The Patriot, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Got Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, forever cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal. And now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800 800- 
800-583-84. Relieffactor.com. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. April showers bring the potential for flooding in your basement. Now through the end of April, Air Mechanical is offering up to $300 off the purchase and installation of a new sump pump with battery backup. Plus, you'll get a free Honeywell leak detector with your purchase. Whether you're away at the cabin or down south on vacation, the Honeywell leak detector is the best way to protect your home. Imagine knowing when you have a leak right away, avoiding costly water damages. Speaking of costly damages, if you had trouble with your air conditioner toward the end of last year, it hasn't gone away. Make sure you're ready for the heat by scheduling your AC tune-up now with one of Air Mechanical's professional technicians. The heat is coming, Minnesota. Are you ready to handle it? Call or schedule online at thinkami.com. That's thinkami.com. For the life of your home, visit thinkami.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, W.